Let's talk for just a moment about the magic penny metaphor. A familiar one to many people. The idea is if you had the choice between taking $3 million or somebody gives you a penny and the amount doubles for a month, what would be the better choice? Now, let's say your friend takes the $3 million, you take the penny, which will double for 31 days. Day five, you would only have 16 cents. Day 10, you'd have just over $5. Day 20, you would have just over $5,000. This is the point about this metaphor. For almost three weeks, your friend has $3 million. You would only have $5,000. Underneath though, what the story is painting is that unseen at this point, big changes are radically taking place as small things are beginning to add up. When you get to day 29, you would have $2.7 million, still less than your friend. However, again, there's much more to this story. Let's use an example from Darren Hardy. He said it well, with enough time and consistency, outcomes become visible, better yet, totally predictable. Very important point, outcomes become totally predictable. Small choices that we make on a daily basis create a ripple effect, and that ripple effect radically impacts daily life. You could take an example and say, what if I committed to 10 minutes a day reading books that inspire me to live more like Christ? What if you take 10 minutes a day and say, I'm going to read three chapters of scripture or have quality time with my spouse, focus on how to change my relationship for the positive, things along these lines. What if I commit to 10 minutes more a day of prayer? Darren Hardy uses the example of a can of cola. He said, imagine you cut a can of cola out of your daily schedule, 125 calories. Now, if you take that out 31 months, 940 days, that's 100,000 plus calories. That is 33 and a half pounds. That's not the end of that story though. Hold on to that amount. There's a great, great quote that says, nothing fails like success. Nothing fails like success. This is why daily consistency is so important. Success though, often people see results, so they stop doing the daily actions because they get satisfied where they are. Great example, Darren Hardy shares a restaurant opened by his house. At the beginning, the food, they had great attention to detail, very clean staff, incredibly professional and courteous. Very rapidly became popular as a restaurant. There were lines outside the door. He said though, that success got to their head, they took for granted their customers. Suddenly the staff got less patient, less kind, less courteous. The food quality started to dwindle and they didn't clean like they needed to. Again, the challenge, nothing fails like success. What happened was a few months later, that restaurant went bankrupt. Interesting, interesting. We've been focusing on making those positive changes during this Lenten season, but to encourage us to go beyond that 40 days with those changes. We consider that different standards lead to a different life. Talked about what is something that needs to exit our life. Maybe instead of you know certain habits, maybe something that needs to exit our life is something more like negativity or anger. 
talking about holding faith with believers around the world and recognizing there are people in every country trying to live their faith in Christ so that can encourage us when temptation comes to turn and walk the opposite way, holding hands in faith with our brothers and sisters across the globe. We talked about praying like we mean it and praying like it matters. And looking at the promise of that scarlet thread of redemption that assures us the devil is defeated so we have nothing to fear. Perhaps importantly for today, as we looked at previously, the secret to change and growth is not willpower, but positive community. Going arm in arm with other believers that have the same faith, same beliefs, same commitments to encourage each other along the way. Day-to-day choices having that compound effect that's not just one day going to be visible, but it's also very predictable. Whether we're talking about changes for our personal growth, spiritual growth, relationships. Go back to that story about the person who stops drinking a cola a day, cutting 125 calories a day, take that out over two and a half years, that person would lose 33 and a half pounds. Take somebody else that started that same path but continued to drink that cola. They had radically different outcomes. That person would gain 33 and a half pounds. The difference between the two in two and a half years, a whopping 67 pounds difference between them. Those day-to-day choices consistently made make tremendous difference. That's the point of the magic penny. For the beginning of the process, even long time into the process, we might not see tremendous results visibly, but they're taking place under the surface. And when they become visible, the growth is exponential. You go back to the magic penny on day 29, you'd have 2.7 million. Your friend has 3 million. It's not till day 30 that you pass your friend. Day 30, you would have 5.3 million. But that consistency builds. In day 31, you'd have $10.7 million. Three and a half times what your friend got. Those daily, day-to-day commitments compounded over time. Again, the results are predictable for good or for bad. Now, when Jesus had the Last Supper, he made the statement, we all know, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another, John 13. We're going to look at some changes that we can make on a day-to-day basis consistently so that the love Jesus talked about becomes the reality more and more for our life. King David wrote Psalm 133, second shortest psalm. It's only three verses long. But David sat down to talk about what is most important in life. Psalm 133, notice what he says, verse 1. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Some translations have unity. When David wrote the psalm, he said, how beautiful is unity. To live in harmony. As Jesus said, to love one another, that's how people know you are my disciples. It is a blessing, David says, to be in unity. To love as Jesus called us to love one another. To be in unity as we glorify Christ in all things. One faith, one baptism, one Lord, one Christ. But to do that long past Lenten season, to make the commitments now, but to recognize as I love better, love more, 
that compound effect is impacting not just my life, but others. There was a poem found in 800 A.D. on a small parchment in a monastery. It's believed it had been there a hundred years at that point. The beauty of the words were copied and shared widely. Over the years, many read this poem. People began to sing it. In the 1800s in Britain, it was put to music that we would be familiar with. And in the 1900s, it was then brought to the U.S. That hymn, those words on that poem, now a standard that most believers know, these are the words that were written on that parchment. Be thou my vision, Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day and by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. One of the things that we understand in our life that Jesus talks about, love one another. David says, how beautiful is that unity, harmony. We had that beauty and that harmony, believers down through the ages. And all around the globe, as we sing songs of faith together, celebrating that Christ is truly our life. St. Patrick is somebody recognized this time of year. Born in 385 AD to a wealthy family in Britain at the time, some militia from Ireland came to Britain. He was kidnapped, taken hostage, was a hostage in Ireland for six years where he found a deep faith while he was a shepherd trying to get back home. Six years later, he escaped, got back to Britain, studied to be a minister, but had a heart for the people that had enslaved him back in Ireland. He went back to share the gospel with them. When he got there, there was a king committed to this pagan cult. That king would then recognize the spring season and celebrate as a part of his cult beliefs by lighting a fire and having these wild parties. The order was nobody else could light a fire until the king would light this bonfire announcing the beginning of this festival. His pagan beliefs becoming very public when he would light the fire and people would then say, it's time. St. Patrick, though, was there and the king had not lit his fire to usher in this pagan festival. And it was now Easter. St. Patrick said, Christ is the light of the world. Part of how I recognize that is I light a fire the night before Easter. And he did that very thing in the face of what the king had ordered. Now, the king could have been angry, could have imprisoned St. Patrick. Instead, he said, this is a man of courage, a man of conviction. I respect that. He then welcomed St. Patrick, who would then be the first missionary bringing the gospel to Ireland. Part of that unity of faith to recognize the heritage we had that we share as believers with a rich celebration of those down through history and those even today that encourage us to have that higher standard, encourage us to live more boldly in our faith, encourage us to celebrate in song and indeed the life we have in Jesus. Dorothy Bernard said, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. One of the ways we encourage each other is to, to, Paul tells us, weep with those who weep, 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Pray one for another and celebrate in song, scripture, and history, the life that we share in Christ, that overcomer life. Verse 2, Psalm 133, David says, Unity is as precious as the anointing oil poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard onto the border of his robe. Aaron was Moses' brother, anointed high priest. They took a large vial of oil to publicly anoint him. And that oil went over his head, poured down his beard, down his robe to his feet. That anointing represents the presence of God. And the picture here is as goes the head, so goes the body. Aaron's anointing was to flow through him and reach other people. Here's the thing, though. Each of us have influence in other people's lives. If you're a father, that picture for you is the anointing, the life of Christ, the love of Christ, the joy of Christ should flow through you, down your beard, down through your robe, through your feet, a picture of impacting the rest of your family with the light of Christ. Same picture for mothers. Husbands and wives, does your anointing flow through your head down, your robe to your feet, impacting those around you? As goes the head, so goes the body. To people that we impact at work, friends, family, does His anointing, His presence in our life, as He promised us, well up with inside us like living waters gushing forth, a picture again of the love of Christ, the life of Christ, the holiness of Christ, pouring through us into others' people. Well, Paul says, or David says, part of that anointing happens because there's unity with other believers. Strife causes pain. Unity brings the blessing of God. And that anointing then flows through us, impacting other people in a radical way. Tony Robbins says, your decisions shape your destiny. Not just for the 40 days here, but to say, you know, let me love like Christ. Let me care for other believers and notice them, pray for them, encourage them, be there for them. Hold fast to the faith once delivered to the saints with them. Decisions shape your destiny. That our decision would be, Lord, I want that anointing. Your presence to so flow through me, down my hair, my beard, through my robe, to my feet. Living water flowing through me to impact other people. This is Anthony Maglica, born in 1930, still alive today, healthy, strong, inspiring people's lives. Born off Croatia on a small island, just a few hundred people. World War II started. The Germans then took over Croatia. They came to the small island Anthony shared. Some of the people on the island were taken hostage. Others were tortured. He said he and his family feared for their lives, but they were left alone. The economy, though, was devastated. His mother would have to go to the mainland on a small boat to get food. He was just a boy. She would leave him behind, he said, with a bag of flour, some water, say, make it last a week, and she would disappear. And he would make this flour mixed with water into a paste, barely edible, waiting on his mother to return. While she was gone, though, he would do things like take apart a clock, put it back together, learning mechanics. 
He would wait till his mother came back. It would take a week to go to shore, come back to this small island. He said she'd always bring beans. He loved those beans, still has them today. He said it was a tremendous celebration. When you have no food, somebody shows up with these beans and you can finally eat. That's the background in which he grew up. Once the war was over, things improved a little bit. He got a little bit of money together. His mom encouraged him to to head to the United States where he could find opportunity. So at 20, he did that very thing. He arrived in the U.S., began to work in factories and jobs. Still, though, had that mechanical mind and started to work different inventions. He realized, he said, there's one thing made in the USA that's not made as well as it could be. In fact, the way it's made plastic, breakable, not really dependable. He said, what if I make this item almost indestructible? He focused on policemen, firemen, the military, and he made what we now know as the Maglite flashlight. Such was the quality of this flashlight that could go underwater but still work. He would get letters from police officers. Your flashlight saved my life. Someone fired a gun, but the bullet bounced off this flashlight. Another fireman said, in this billowing darkness, smoke and flame, your flashlight still worked and I could see well enough to rescue somebody. Military people, they would say, this flashlight was run over by this truck. Still worked though, saved my life. He said, you know what? Mothers and fathers need this same quality, dependability, a flashlight that'll work even in the most dire circumstances because people have emergencies where they need to depend on quality. 1981, he brought the Maglite to the public and the rest though, as we know, is as they say, history. Again, your decisions shape your destiny. Anthony Maglica made a decision to do something to impact people's lives. He's done that very thing. When the anointing, the life of Christ, flows down through our head, through our beard, through our robe, through our feet, his life impacting others through us. The final verse, verse 3, says, Harmony is as refreshing as dew from Mount Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. The Lord there blesses and commands his blessing, life everlasting. The picture here is Mount Hermon, a large mountain where it would rain and the water would pour down this mountain. David said, that's what harmony is like. Refreshing water, pouring down a mountain, watering the fields. That's how beautiful it is, as Jesus said. This is how the world will know you're my disciples. You love one another. And David says, it's like that water pouring off the mountain. That's how refreshing unity is, that love, that binding, that same heart, same mind, same commitment. In fact, he says, God looks at that and says, you know what? I bless that. I bless that. Antonio Severa said it well. Our attitude will determine if we live under his blessing. Our attitude determines if we live under his blessing. Our attitude that says more of Christ and less of me to make those daily commitments, knowing that compounding effect of those choices to follow after him, build up character and change that eventually becomes visible in a process we know is very predictable beyond 40 days of Lent to become a daily part of our life. That's the picture 
That's the beauty. That's what David said when he sat and wrote a hymn and said, you want to know what's beautiful? Brothers and sisters in harmony, one voice, one faith, one Christ, one baptism, living that their anointing might flow to impact other people as well. Years ago, Dr. Joseph Heratunian came to the U.S. from Armenia to teach at McCormick Theological Seminary. A colleague once said to him, have you thought about changing your name to something easier to pronounce, something more American? And he said, well, why? And he said, because your name is hard to pronounce, it's also hard to spell, and that could cause some people to overlook you for jobs. And Dr. Heratunian said to this man, what names do you suggest? And he said, you know, maybe Harwood or Harris, something like that. And Dr. Heratunian said, what do those names mean? His colleague said, I have no idea. And Dr. Heratunian said, when my grandfather was baptized in Armenia, they changed his name. They changed his name to Heratunian. That name means the resurrection. He said, I'm a child of the resurrection. I think I'll keep my name. You and I, children of the resurrection, living in one faith. How beautiful the harmony of the body of Christ.